0: You are locked on Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. It is a Thursday, and a lot of news out there. We're just kind of going to jump around here in the world of college football, and we'll see where we land. But I want to start with an update to the one-time transfer rule. So I saw this from Nicole Auerbach. I'm sure other college football reporters had it. But the NCAA uh, Division I Council has stated they're going to lift the one-time part of the transfer rule restriction. So essentially, um, before this, you could transfer one time. The first time you transferred, you would get immediate eligibility. So the first time you left a school, you get immediate eligibility, you own the portal, you find a new destination, you can play that next season. And then the uh, rule is supposed to be in place to where if you decided to transfer again, then you would have to have some sort of penalty, eligibility penalty, you'd probably sit out a year, unless you had some sort of waiver. Now, we've seen with waivers, it's very subjective what the NCAA decides, like whether or not they're going to give somebody eligibility. There's no real rhyme or reason as to why they won't do it or they will do it. And occasionally these waivers have been contested in court. And usually as most things with the NCAA go, they lose these battles in court. But now it's just, you can transfer as many times as you want and there's no eligibility penalty. And this sort of coincides with players getting more freedom and listen, I am all for players having um, autonomy. Like, I think for years there was a huge power imbalance in college athletics. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the podcast, but you guys know. I mean, you know, you understand, you follow this. Like, the revenue, the money they were bringing in compared to what they were getting, it wasn't, it didn't make sense. It wasn't adequate for the revenue generating sports. I do think this is kind of wild. I was fine with the one-time transfer rule. I thought it was a nice sort of middle ground. Okay, you have that opportunity to transfer and get eligibility immediately, and then if you decide to do that again, you know, there's there's some guardrails there to just keep people from hopping from team to team. It's just, I mean, free, like, I hate to say, like, oh, here's free agency in college sports, because I feel like we were already there. Like, I, I honestly don't even know how much this is going to change it. There's tons of movement, especially in basketball. I mean, you'll see thousands of guys in the portal. And in football, too. I mean, as far as how it relates to TCU, this TCU coaching staff has been really good at recruiting in the portal. I think this season they've, you know, improved some roster holes. I still believe that if you're going to build the team, then it's about recruiting high school kids well. Like, that's that's still how you're going to be the best of the best and have a solid program that maintains consistency. Because you have to find a way to get kids to campus, get them to sign, and now what I think is the hardest part of a college coach's job in 2022 and beyond, which is you're re-recruiting your players every year. I mean, you are. You're, like, selling them every season on, hey, stick with us. This is our vision. This is what we're doing because – There's, for at least some of them, there's always other opportunities. And I I think this coaching staff understands that, and they do that well. Now, if you want to go in the transfer portal and get depth, I think that's a a great way to do it. If you want some immediate impact players, like, oh, hey, the sophomore tight end we have, he's not quite ready to start. Well, what if we go get a grad transfer who can step in and play right away and give this underclassman more time to develop and um, get acclimated to college football? And I'm talking about this mainly in the football context. However, it's still about recruiting well at the high school level and then, you know, filling roster holes, promoting depth, and maybe even having like a few hired guns in the transfer portal. All right, we need a big time wide receiver. Let's look at this in IL situation and try to make this work. But that's the latest from the NCAA. One-time transfer rule now going away. Now players have the mobility to move sort of freely as they wish, which is pretty wild. But, I I mean, like I said, I think we're kind of already there. Um, Also in the world of sports, sort of quiet on the realignment front. I mentioned on uh, whatever day I posted, Tuesday, I guess, earlier this week, um, that the Big 12 and Pac-12, those talks have dissolved, and that has come at the Big 12's request. Like, they basically shut down the talks. They're not trying to merge with the Pac-12 this time. So that's not going to happen. We're not going to a full-on merger. I still think there is a good chance that the Big 12 poaches some Pac-12 schools. There's been some rumors and some discussion about you know, the four corner schools which we talked a lot about on the podcast, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah, Arizona State. I don't know if it'll be all four at once. Maybe it's one or two. The Pac-12 is renegotiating their grant of rights agreement. The Big 12 is talking to TV executives right now. There's a lot of moving parts here. I think it ends with the Big 12 getting some Pac-12 schools. I don't know which ones yet. And the Pac-12 is also looking at expansion because they're going through the same situation that the Big 12 did last year, which was, okay, we need more stability. That means adding teams, and most likely it's adding teams from the group of five level. I think the Big 12 is in a good position You know, moving forward throughout the year. Um, okay, wrapping up this segment, a couple just sort of housekeeping notes. Two TCU players were put on national watch watch list this week. Quentin Johnston was put on the Blitnikoff award watch list, which goes to the best receiver in the country. Kendra Miller put on the Duke Walker award watch list, which goes to the best running back in the country. Um, there's a lot of these guys that are put on there. I don't think it's like a, a huge deal, but it is somewhat significant that people around the country see the potential of these guys. I think Quentin Johnston's going to have a big year. I'm trying to temper expectations a little bit, but I just I, – I see a big-time season from Q. I think he's ready to go. His mindset's good. His body's in a better condition than it's been in lately, putting on some weight, adding some strength, and that Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley are going to make it a point to get him the ball early and often, and as much as they can, and get him the ball in space. I really think Kendra Miller is going to be a good replacement for Zach Evans. I feel like they are totally capable at the running back position. Um... Now, I realize Zach Evans is super talented, and he might very well go to Ole Miss and rush for 1,500 yards this year. He could do that. I mean, he's that kind of back. But, you know, he was never available here at TCU, and he just didn't put up the numbers that coincided with who he was. But, man, when he was locked in, when he was ready and healthy, he's a great running back. I just I feel like Kendra Miller is also a really good back and can – you know, make things happen on the field and be productive. And they're going to be fine there. But Zach is uh, Zach's a special player. And he could very well reach his full potential at Ole Miss. And we all look back and say, man, wish we could have had that guy. I'm just not totally sure he would have done it at TCU, even with his coaching staff that is more offensive-minded. But, you know, we'll never know. <laughs> when we come back, um, some exciting projections about TCU basketball. And I'm not going to get in the habit of talking about Twitter every show, but there's another Twitter beef going on, and I'll address it shortly. This is Locked On Horn Frogs. Before we do that, though, I do want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is one of our great sponsors. It's the only sponsor, you know, since I joined the network back in the fall of 2020, October of 2020, Built Bar was a proud sponsor of this network, and it's the only ad read that I've had that's been consistent my whole time here at Locked On. It's great. I told you about it before. I usually eat them for breakfast because I'm in a rush. I'm trying to get, you know, my kids to school. I'm trying to get to work. It's a great fallback option when I don't have time to cook something up before they get it, you know, before they wake up and get going. It's also just a good snack. It's something you can have before you go to the gym. It's delicious. It's healthy, only 180 calories. They have a new flavor out that I got to try recently and I love Cookie Dough Chunk. This is good guys. Get involved with this. Cookie dough chunk, I'm telling you. It's a good flavor. Try it today. BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On. That's where you get it. Again, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On. Locked On Horn Frog, segment two. We're going to talk some basketball. That's right, man. We're talking basketball in July. DCU basketball in July. Uh, I came across this article from Jeff Borzello today. He's a ESPN college basketball national writer, reporter. And he put together this system, along with ESPN.com, of uh, retention rankings. Basically, they looked at returning production from what they called the major six conferences, which is the Power Five and then the Big East, and they just ranked the top 20. Who's bringing back the most talent, the most production across the country in those top six conferences? And number one was your TCU Horn Frogs. And he talked about how they're bringing back all five starters from last year's team that made it the second round, pushed Arizona in that second round game. Um, they're bringing back most of their rotation, guys. Really, the only player in the rotation that they're missing is Francisco Farabella, who moved on to Creighton. And we know Farabella's a good shooter. And... I think was able to sort of, you know, take on some of the ball handling responsibilities that weighed so heavily on Damian Ball and Mike Miles last year. But I think Francisco, all due respect to him, is someone who can you who you can replace within that rotation. Chuck O'Bannon's back, Lamkin, Emmanuel Miller who spent some time this summer playing for Team Canada. I mean, it's it's a good roster. It really is. I am trying I, I have this weird back and forth in my mind with TCU basketball. Part of you wants to be all in. And going into the season, I just want to think, this is like sweet 16 or bust for this team. And if they don't get there, it's disappointing. Which is crazy to think about with this program. And it's even wild to think about, I mean, I, I was wrong. I have, I have said it before, I'll say it again. I thought they should have let Jamie Dixon go two years ago, after the COVID year, whatever that was, I guess, 2020, 2021. And I know they missed so much time, practice time, but it was just the the team was so lackadaisical. There was just no energy. They looked really beaten down. And I was like, man, that's it. They're done. This is just – this was a, a good idea. It was a good hire. It's coming to an end. And then he totally turned it around. And he did it – the wild thing is he did it through the transfer portal. And now he was able to do what I said earlier, like this is the biggest challenge now for college coaches. You're re-recruiting every year, and you have to do it in basketball. In basketball, you're fighting two things. You're fighting the transfer portal. You're also fighting the NBA draft because you can always just stick your name in the NBA draft and see what they say. And so Damian Baugh did that, and there was a short time, there's a window this summer where it looked like, oh, Damian's probably going to move on, which would have been perfectly fine. His decision, he can do that. I think Damian's a really talented player, and I'm stoked. Like, if he can clean up some of those turnovers and have a more consistent jump shot, like, this dude's a player. I know he frustrates people at times. But, man, like, that, that athleticism's off the charts. The way he plays defense, the way he can get to the rim, I get there's some warts there, but, like, he can play ball. Mike Miles, if he's healthier, if he can just play a little smoother, they can take some pressure off him. This team is set up really well. On the other hand, there were times last year where it felt like, uh, they might not make the tournament, like the offense. It's such a slog. It's so hard for them sometimes to score points. But they really seem to figure it out towards the end of the year. And I haven't even mentioned like Eddie Lamkin, Emmanuel Miller. I love Emmanuel Miller. He's just one of those guys, like he stuffs a stat sheet. He's he's sort of like Kenrich Williams to me. He just finds a way. To be so involved in the game, and Eddie just really blossomed, right? Like he's a he and he's a special personality, like just a guy that the energy immediately goes up when he's in the building making plays. And so I'm excited about all that. Now they they did really struggle at times offensively, and they had some silly losses, but they closed the season so well. They're bringing in PJ Haggerty, which is who's from the Houston area, really good player in high school and I just the expectations are going to be so high it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that because that's new and I think the Shalomar Arena is going to be packed um, like he's just the type of guy or this is the type of team that can sort of change the culture around a program because if they go on some crazy run and put, you know, this program in the national spotlight, that's going to pay huge dividends for TC basketball moving forward. So retention rankings—they're bringing back more production than anybody else in the country in the Power Six, which is pretty crazy to think about. Expectations are going to be high for TC basketball. Get ready. Get ready—it's the world we live in now, folks. Buckle up. Okay, finally today. So I spent uh, a portion of a show last week talking about Gambling gotchos, which is like this podcast, the Texas Tech podcast. I think Rob, uh, Rob Bro runs it. Anyway, like they do list. They did a list last week where they said Zach Evans was the best TCU running back of all time. Obviously, they got a huge reaction from TCU fans because it's LT. And so that was last week. And then this week, or I guess this has been brewing now for a while. There's been this controversy. I put that in quotes. You can't see it because I'm not on YouTube today. I'm just recording this. Texas Tech fans have been complaining about TCU not selling single game tickets to TCU football and basketball games when they play Texas Tech. And Jeremiah Donati actually weighed in on this and he said, yeah, we're we're not, we don't sell single game tickets for those games. We're not going to do it. You have to buy a mini package or you have to go to StubHub, some secondary website. And so tech fans had a field day like, Oh, you guys are soft. Like TCU soft, soft university, which I mean, from the outside looking in, I understand why people are like, Oh man, this is, this is silly. Why are you not selling these single game tickets? I feel like it's, it's just another example of like people not understanding some of the limitations that TCU is dealing with. And I don't have to go into big detail because if you're listening to this podcast, you understand it. But small enrollment, right? Like 10,000 undergrads, give or take. 100,000 living alumni, maybe. Um, and all these big public schools in Texas and really around the country, a lot of those alums live in the Metroplex because a lot of people live in the Metroplex. And maybe nobody more than Tech fans. Texas has got a lot of fans in the Metroplex, obviously as well, because you got alums and then you just got people that root for Texas. And so TCU doesn't want Tech fans in their stadium, which makes sense. And because of, you know, the small enrollment and some of the issues TCU is going to have with that, they're not just going to give away seats to Tech fans. Makes sense. So I didn't even worry about that. Like, in my mind, it's like, whatever. Think what you want to think. This is TCU policy. Doesn't matter to me. TCU's had success lately against Tech in football, baseball, even basketball. Stole that game from him in Fort Worth last year. And then Brian Carrington. So another thing that's going down. Um, Texas Tech, the Matador Club, which is a name, image, and likeness collective. They announced that they're giving $25,000 to all 85 scholarship football players and 20 walk-ons for this upcoming season. Everybody's going to sign a one-year contract, and they have to do like community service and things like that to get the money. But it's basically like a base salary for the football team, which is a really innovative idea. And so Brian Carrington, who is an on-field coach for TCU – recruiting coordinator, he went on sort of a Twitter rant a couple nights ago when the news broke. And I'm not going to read all his tweets, because that doesn't sound like exhilarating podcast content. But the gist of it was, he did not name Texas Tech specifically, but it was about that. And the gist of it was, hey, don't get caught up in that number, that 25K number, because there's a lot of opportunities, especially in a big city like Fort Worth. You can come here, you can play here, and there'll be bigger opportunities than maybe just that $25,000 base salary. And I don't really know. He mentioned the desert at some point, in which I assume he's referring to Lubbock. And I'm not sure if that's where this originated or not, and I don't really care to, like, look and see. (laughs) But tech fans have taken this cactus emoji. And they've just started using it. And I don't know what the point is. And like, I don't I don't care to know. But I guess maybe it's something to do with the desert. The desert reference. So anyway, that's happening right now. Here's what I'll say about it. Tech fans, I understand why you're upset about not having single game ticket availability for TCU games. If you want to pay double the price to watch Max Duggan win his fourth straight game against the Red Raiders, be my guest. I don't know if it'll I don't know if it's gonna be Max. That's not me breaking news on the starting quarterback thing. I just think it's funny that Max has beaten the Red Raiders three times in a row and might do it a fourth time. And has done it without really throwing the football at all. Like they don't I mean they don't pass the ball against Texas Tech. They just run the ball right at the middle and gash them and still scored Somehow, 52 points last year, even though the offense was terrible. They've had the Red Raiders number as of late. I do think this is ultimately good for the league. I don't know. I mean, there seems to be kind of a budding rivalry between the two schools. Which, I still think TCU's natural rival is Baylor. Even though that's kind of cooled. Because Art and Gary, Art Browse and Gary Patterson hated each other. Like, they just legitimately did. They can say all they want about what they thought about it, but they actually hated each other. And so that added a ton of juice. And the teams were good for a stretch that coincided together that added a ton of juice. And I still think it's a big rivalry, but it's kind of, I don't know. It seems like it's cooled off a little bit. I still think that's number one in my mind. And SMU is sort of a forced rivalry, even though. There's some chatter about them in the Pac-12, which would be hilarious in some ways. Um, but Tech and TCU, yeah, there's a little chippiness there. That's good. It's good for the conference. It's part of the regional aspect of college football that we're sort of losing with all this realignment. That, I think, makes it special. And so, yeah, Tech fans, be mad at us. Have, you know, have your fun. Make your jokes. Enjoy losing another football game to the Frogs in the fall. And... Yeah. It should be a good time, but I just think it's funny. And I'm I'm enjoying watching it from afar cuz I don't I don't really dip my toe in the water of the Twitter beast too often. I think it's kind of a useless game, but a lot of you guys do. And that's fine. Go for it. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Lockdown Horn Frogs.